I want to talk about something this morning. I'm, 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 I'm provoked. I'm aware we've got kids today. I'm aware some people are watching live. I'm not going to talk for a long time this morning, but I do want to stir us. I don't want to just, I, I, I feel like God is doing something in the earth right now. And, and, and I, I, I feel, I feel just today, I just don't want to preach a sermon. I want to kind of articulate and bring some, some, some points and something that we can carry and get our teeth into of what is it that God is saying to his church, to the people of God across the earth right now. All right. So I'm not going to be long, but to kick off, um, I'm going to ask Mike and Penny uh, to come up and just share just for a few moments uh, on this, which will really, really help articulate and paint a picture of what I want to talk about this morning. Is that all right? Yeah. All right. Mike and Penny. Morning, everybody. Here's a a wee jam jar. And uh, when I was a little boy, littler than I am now, I had this jam jar, and you put grass in it and capture a caterpillar, and hope that you'd get a butterfly. And uh, I never got a butterfly. But I had many, many caterpillars. But one time, the caterpillar actually formed into a cocoon. I was so excited because I knew from biology class that there was a thing called metamorphosis. Can you say that long word, anybody? Metamorphosis. It means the transformation or the process of a transformation of a thing or a person into a totally different thing or person, metamorphosis. So when the cocoon arrived, I was so excited, but I was a little impatient because I wanted to see the butterfly and it seemed to take so long. So guess what I did? I got one of my dad's little knives, those real sharp ones, and I cut into the cocoon and all this liquid began to flow out. I thought, oh, where's the butterfly? There wasn't even a wing or a little foot or, you know, there was nothing, it was just liquid. Well, when I went back to the biology teacher, he told me that actually the liquid is liquid caterpillar. But he said the DNA is no longer the caterpillar, the DNA is actually the butterfly. So, Chloe is going to experience a shocking change on Tuesday. She's going back to the empire, the center of the colony. But the change will then lead her into a process of transformation. She is going to be transformed into a totally different person. So when we came to Christ, we had a change. Now we are in a transformation until we all fly, become more and more like Jesus. Now the danger with the word transition, which we use a lot, particularly with COVID, we're in transition. I don't like transition, because transition makes it feel like we're living in this room but we're now going to change and come into this room. And there's a corridor joining the two rooms. 
which is called transition. I don't like that. I think we've got a cocoon, which is another room. That's really good, yeah. Because if it's, if it's a corridor, you want to run down the corridor to get to the next thing quickly, yeah. and you actually open the cocoon too quick. Because you're impatient, or you want to see what's going to look like. Now, in this cocoon right now, or in this transformation, in this metamorphosis, we're in something that God has actually organized and orchestrated, and we're changing. But individually and corporately, we can rush the process. That's the danger. That we get too impatient or we get too frustrated. But what we actually want to do is to say, I'm in a different room now. I'm going to enjoy this room. I'm going to capture my emotions and I'm going to say, this is a great joyful room. The two dangers are that we get frustrated or impatient to get to what we're going to. We need to be all moved together. We need to get these rules out of the way. We need to get COVID over and done with. Yes, I understand that. But if we rush it, we won't get this transformation. If we can relax in it and trust God, we can look forward to the butterfly. We can look forward to what it's going to be like. It's a total transformation that God is doing individually and corporately. So don't be afraid. Don't go carving up the cocoon in fear or impatience or frustration. Or like, I, I need a break from this. But let's cooperate with the transformation process. You there? Jesus had an incredible event that changed him. It took three days of transformation. Moses killed somebody. There was a magnificent, incredible change in him, but it took 40 years before he came back. Saul had an encounter which totally changed him on the Damascus Road, but it took six years before he began his ministry. How many of you are up for the... Transformation. <laughs> Penny's just going to share, I think, a similar thing. I'd maybe just read this scripture to you. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It says this. I think it actually is a, it's a southern scripture. It says, we all are being, as we continue to behold the glory of God... We are being transferred into the very same image of him by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, as we were, as we were thinking about this, um, it struck me that um, the chrysalis in that, in that um, metamorphosis is um, stuck. Uh, the chrysalis, the butterfly, the chrysalis can't go back Ooh, and, yeah. it, and, it, and it can't go forward. And um, really, I, I was thinking as we're thinking about this, um, that is really how we are at this time. Uh, we're not in a corridor, we're not in a transition, but we're in um, a preparation for something. And um, actually, although it's uncomfortable, I think, in many ways, um, it is the perfect place, and it's the place that God has for us at this time. Yeah. And just, I just had a few thoughts for us to encourage us on how can we prepare ourselves when we're in this um, cocoon, in this um, 
transformation process. Um, first of all, um, as we humble ourselves and pray, I believe God will show us what he wants us to pray, not just our own agenda, but what he wants. Yeah. Secondly, as we learn even better to listen to his voice, um, we'll hear his voice, and again, we will know what we should do by what we hear. And then as we remember our first love again, um, and love God with our heart and soul and mind and strength, um, he will speak to us as we seek him with all our hearts yeah. and as we meditate on his word, um, he will speak to us. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And I just wanted to um, mention, I just wanted to read, sorry, from um, Romans 12, verse two, it says, um, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And I want to read it in the message now. Don't become so well adjusted wow. to your culture wow. that you fit into it without wow. even thinking. Yeah. Fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Wow. Rapidly recognize what he wants you to do and quickly respond to it. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Let's just pray, shall we? I'd like to invite those of you with frustration or fear about COVID, about church, about your life, about your family. Let's give that frustration back to God. Let's just repent of it. Repent of it. Say, Lord, I'm enjoying this room. You brought me out of one, I'm in another. I'm not in the corridor of transition. I'm in a new room. And when you're ready, that means when I'm ready, you'll open the door to the other room. And it's gonna be a butterfly room. Not a caterpillar room, creeping along the floor, but flying from flower to flower, enjoying the nectar. Lord Jesus, we do love you. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. Lord, I'm sorry for fear, for frustration, for argument. Thank you, God. You, you know better than me about me. So I submit to your perfect, good, and acceptable will. I thank you for my circumstance. I thank you for the cocoon, the Christmas. And I look forward, God to all that you're transforming me into, into the likeness of Jesus yourself, so that you might be glorified and find increased pleasure in my life. Amen. Amen. Can we just honor Michael Kenny? Wow, everyone say, Transformation. transformation we're not in transition we're in a place of transformation and it's a place that god has brought us to and if we understand it's like seasons paul writes to timothy in his very last letter he's writing from prison and he says timothy be ready in season and out which suggests there's times when we're out of season the key is we need to be ready in that season even though it's our season and for some of us, if we understand the season, it's like we live in Chicago. If you don't like winter, tough. 
You can pray that it will just get hotter, but it's probably not going to happen. Why? Because God set the seasons in place in Genesis. And he says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat will never cease. So in the, there's the natural seasons, but also in life there are seasons that we go through. And if we recognize the season that we're in, we can maximize it. I say, God, what are you saying in this season? What are you saying in this season? If we can get the most out of it, rather than be frustrated and then fly to the next one. I mean, we're always in, we're always in transition. No, we're in a place, in a room, in a pause of transformation. We're in a, we're in a power, there's power in process. There's a place of becoming. I'll just say this. Some of you can even write this down. It came to pass. Will you say that with me? It came to pass. This pandemic came to pass. It will pass. Someone said the other day, this is the darkest time in history. I laughed. I said, then you probably have not read much history. <laughs> this isn't the darkest time in history. A hundred years from now. See, it's what's important is what we, what we do in the seasons that we're in. Amen. Um, man, I, I feel like I want to pray again. Um, I just, I really sense God's going to do something today. Come on. Right, right now. Yeah, I just think he's going to do something. Yes. Whew. Uh, about this time last year, and it's every year, I, I, about in the middle of the year, somewhere June, July, August, I start to get a sense of what God wants to say throughout the different life churches. And, the, and, and I get a sense, and I've started to get this sense of what God wants to say with us, say to us and, and the theme to be for next year. But this last year, the, the, the theme that God gave us was this. It was from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. In light of these things, what kind of people ought we to be? That turned out to be pretty prophetic, don't you think? In light of these things, 2020, the question is, what kind of people ought we to be? And um, just talking to different leaders this week around the world and in the UK, I said, have we answered the question that God posed to us as we entered this year, and then three months in, we were slammed with this pandemic. Have we answered the question, what kind of people ought we to be? Come on, and it caused me to pause and say, what kind of people ought we to be? And so this week, rather than preparing a sermon, I've just found myself just sit, sitting in the Word saying, God, what kind of people ought we to be? Someone asked me, what are you preaching on Sunday? I'm like, I don't actually know. I haven't really prepared a message or a sermon with three points and a poem. I, I, just, I just found I've just been, God, what are you saying in the world? What's happening in your church? And, and we, as we, a few of us began to talk. We thought, well, we're just in transition. I thought, we can't be in any more transition. I'm sick of transition. And as we talk together, we're not in transition. We're in a place of becoming. Yeah, this yeah, coronavirus came to pass. Yeah. It came to pass. It will pass. That's it right. came to pass. It's going to pass. But while it's passing, while we're in that process, what is God doing in us? Amen. And we can seize that day. We can grab that day. We can seize the moment and say, I don't want to miss this moment. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? And I want to talk about that just a little bit this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. If you could turn with me to, this is a, a very familiar passage, one that people quote a lot. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to read it to you if you don't have a Bible. And it says this, um, and this is Old Testament, Old Covenant, remember? Old Testament, oh, we're under a new and a better covenant. Okay, when I shut up the heavens as that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land and send a plague amongst my people, and therefore... 
This is, you'll have heard this before. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. We, we've heard that. Anyone have heard that before in prayer meetings? If my people who are called by my name, and I started to meditate on this, if my people who are called by my name, what it actually literally means is, if my people that carry my name. Wow. In other words, if the people, my people, everyone say my people. My people. We're his people. Remember the question for this year is, what kind of people ought we to be? Yeah. And I think this morning, this is something I want to suggest to you. I've never preached this before, that there's an answer in this. And first of all, it's to recognize that we are his people. Yeah. He's talking to his people. He says, if my people who are called by my name, who, who carry my name, whose last name is my name, you know, you know, it, it, one of the commandments is, is to not take the name of the Lord's vain, name in vain, right? When I was growing up, that means you can't swear. And then I came to find out that's actually not what it means at all. I'm not giving you license to swear, okay? But I'm just saying, or to but to take the name, the Lord's name in vain came from if you married somebody, you took on their name. And if you didn't act appropriately, then you were taking their last name, your husband's last name, in vain. So what, what God is saying here is don't do one of the commandments is do not take the name's Lord, the Lord's name in vain. In other words, if you are saying, I want to follow Jesus, then you're carrying his name. Here's the answer. If my people who are called by my name, who carry my last name, the anointed ones, will humble themselves, everyone say humble themselves, and pray, I will heal their land. Interesting, if my people will do something, then I will do something and heal the land. So often we're praying that Washington will do something, so we pray for Washington to do something, or we pray for this system to do something, or something needs to happen, something needs to shift. But God says, if my people will do something, then I'll do something. Because God, the creator of the universe, has chosen to do something through his people. Am I going too fast? Are you, are you with me? And so here's the beginning of that has an answer in these texts. If my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I'm going to do something. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to heal the land. Oh, God, do something. I think God says, I already did everything. You do something. Amen? Okay, too, too, too much? Okay, we're going to keep going then. So it's not just our political preference. It's not. I don't think that's, okay, well now we've all agreed. We all shifted to one side or the other. No, it's if my people will humble themselves. And today I want to talk about humility. What does it really mean to really be humble? Of course, we know that Moses wrote about, he says that Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. And he wrote it. <laughs> you notice that? He, he wrote it. He wrote the Pentateuch of himself. That Moses was the most humble man because humility is having an accurate assessment of who God says that you are. Pride is having an inaccurate assessment of who we think we are. So Moses was seeing himself accurately. And when we see ourselves accurately, that is true humility. Right? 
So church, we're the head and not the tail. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. We need to do something. The church needs to do something. And it's not just pray. If we just pray for rain, we'll have puddles. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then he said, go, I'm sending you. So he said, pray. And then he used them to answer their own prayer. So I I, want to start talking about this right now and answering the question, what kind of people are we to be? Are people that are humble? Are people that are obedient to God's ways? And when we do that, something will shift and the God of all creation will start moving on our behalf. And it's happening all over the world. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something in this pandemic. I mean, I talked to somebody the other day. I was... I, I called up about something, and the guy was so incredibly rude to me. I was, I was like, wow. So I called back to ask to speak to the manager. And I said, I just want to say, I've got this in text form. This is what, how the conversation went. He said, that was me that sent that text. I said, can I please speak to the manager? I am the manager. And then can I please, please speak to the owner? I am the o- owner. And I can't repeat what he then said. But he told me where to go. I was so shocked. I was like, what is happening in the world? People are angry. People are frustrated. People don't know an answer. But he who has the most hope has the most influence. And the church has been given the most hope. We have hope. We have an answer. But when there's something we have to do, and it's humility. Can I, can I just suggest that if you're, if you're kind of of the persuasion, I want to write down my opinions and what's wrong with America and post them on the internet and get it, you know, and, and I believe this and people need to stop doing this and start doing this. If you, have to, if you must do that or you feel you should do that, please just do it in humility. Okay, so back to three points in a poem. Church, you hear what I'm saying? In humility. Because God, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God does. This is an Old Testament. In Peter and James, it says that God himself resists the proud. Pride is having an inaccurate assessment of who we think we are. So when, watch this. When we're proud, God himself resists us. Too much? No. But, but he gives grace to the humble. So if we humble ourselves... God will hear from heaven and heal our land. Amen. Good. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's something, there's something, if we start walking this and we start to grasp some of these things truly, and if you can just hear one word, it's the word humility and transformation. It's being transformed, as, as, as my companion says, into his likeness. It's interesting, that passage starts with, Paul says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We love that, don't we? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom! And we love it. But then if you keep reading, it says, it tells us what we're free to do, to be changed into his likeness. So it's freedom to change. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom to what? Change. Into his likeness. Paul says, I make it my goal to present every man complete in Christ. That we're on a journey, we're on a process of being transformed to look more like Jesus. And the more we look like him, the more power will come. The more authority will come. Do you want to see more power? You want to see more authority? I I do. Oh, okay. 
if you if you're with me, say amen. amen. Okay. I'll go fast if you just say amen. Because I know you've got it. Okay. <laughs> you know that I wrote this down this week. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. Just trying to find a mission statement for our no, the, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. The mission has always been the same. Amen. To fill the earth with his glory. God created man. He breathed his into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And so God said, now be fruitful and multiply. Rule and subdue and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every creep that walks along the ground. You have dominion over creeps. Isn't that great? Amen. And then there was a reinstatement of that mandate in Matthew 28 where Jesus called the disciples together and he said the words again, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded and I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. And he gave them the precious Holy Spirit. And around the world, just seeing outpourings of God, people healed, people set free, thousands of people setting free from depression generation of kids who are suicidal cutting themselves doing drugs desperate for an answer and it's higher than it's ever been in this pandemic suicides are up domestic violence is up divorce is up come on church this is a time for the church to wake up and say come on lord i want to humble myself rather than jump on the bandwagon what But if we must do that, do it in humility. Drop your rock. If, Jesus says, if before you judge, take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So it's not like, oh, we don't judge me. No, but first look at yourself and you'll realize that's a plank. And when you take the plank out of your eye, then you can see clearly to look at the speck in your brother's eye. Watch this, ready? That is humility. That's humility. I'm actually examining myself. And when we do that, it's like, I'm good with your issues. I've got enough to work on my own right now. But instead of like, rah, 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 I'm going to just show And suddenly there's a resistance of God. And we may not feel that resistance, but God resists the proud, but he gives Grace to the humble. He gives grace. Hands up if you want some grace. He gives grace to the humble. But if we humble ourselves, like, let's get some accuracy here. Let's really, Lord, just you and me now. Uh, And I think we'll see God begin to move and and touch us across this earth. And it's happening where there's humility. Amen. I, I think the church... It, there's, there's something shifting even you know the, the, the Sunday mornings of just just places of just for preaching but we're going to see equipping centers and yeah. training hubs yeah. where people are going to come not just to hear preaching but to be equipped for works of service to equipped in the arts equipped in business equipped to fulfill your dreams equipped in tra- and trained to touch the world around us yeah. but mark this Paul, again this is Paul's last letter The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, had an encounter with God. And he says this in his last letter. He's writing to Timothy, who was a young man leading a church. And he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People. Wow, there it is again. People. In the last days, there will be terrible times. These are terrible times. Why? People. 
the issues, people. What kind of people ought we to be? Come on. In the last days, there'll be terrible times. Oh, look what's happening across the earth. Yeah, the issue is people. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, ungodly, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its true power. Wow. wow. In the last days, what will the problem be? People. In light of these things, what kind of people ought we to be? What kind of people ought we to be? God's people. His people. If my people will humble themselves and pray. If my people will do that, then I will heal from heaven and heal the land. The answer is God healing the land through his people. So if we also say, yeah, okay, I'm going to humble myself. Well, how do I do that? And I want to talk about that. How do we humble ourselves? Yeah. And there's little things we can do by not judging other people so quick. Yeah. Well, they're not like this. They're not like, Whoa, be careful. Yeah. We still don't know what it was that Jesus was writing in the sand. Yes. <laughs> yes. When the Pharisees brought to and the religious keepers of the law brought a woman caught in the act of prostitution, dragged them to, to Jesus... <laughs> And they said, the law says. And Jesus bent down. We don't know what he wrote. But he started to write things in his hand. He used his finger to write something in the sand. It was God's finger that wrote the commandments. And now Jesus, God himself, is writing in the sand. So you want to you go by the law? Can you see this? And this is the oldest dropped their rocks. And they turned and walked away. And Jesus lifted up his head and he said, where are your accusers? He says, I don't, confuse, I don't condemn you either. You're free. Be careful what rocks we hold in our hands against other people. Second really yeah. Peter chapter 3, verse 5. God resists the crowd and gives grace to the humble. I heard of a man of a CEO, he was a CEO of a very large corporation, had about a thousand employees and things weren't going well, he didn't really know what to do, so he decided I'm gonna have a banquet for all my employees, a thousand of them, and I'm going to just begin to thank them and celebrate what they've done. And I'm gonna just talk about the way forward and, and what's happening in the world and the economy and I'm gonna train them and I'm gonna, and, and and gonna celebrate all our wins and what we've done and I'm gonna do this great speech and he came home to do the speech, and his wife said, could you please look after our seven-year-old son while I go to the store? And he said, well, I, I've got to prepare this speech for tonight. We've got this big banquet, honey, you know this. But he thought, this is my son. I love my son. My son's more important. He said, sure, go. So she went out, and the seven-year-old boy said, came to her and said, Dad, I'm really bored. What can I do? And he said, well, um, go, and, you know, go and watch TV or go over there. I've just got to do this, son. I've got to finish some work, and then, I'll, then we can hang out. A few minutes later, he came back and said, I'm still bored, Dad. What can I do? And the fathers know what I'm talking about. So he says, okay, okay, I know what I'll do. So he got a magazine, and he saw a map of the world. And he quickly cut out the different continents and some of the different countries. And he, said, and he took them into the room. He said, come here, son. And he put them in the living room. And he said, here, put the world together. 
And he thought, great, he doesn't even know what the continents are yet. He's not sure where all these goes. He'll be ours. He said, great, all right, when you're done, come and see me, but I've got to work, just finish this work on my speech for tonight. Seven-year-old boy said, great. Shut the door, went back to his office. Five minutes later, come in. He said, what is it, son? He said, I'm all done. He said, you're all done. What do you mean? He got up and he walked into the room. He said, how did you do that? And he said, well, I didn't know where they all went. So, but on the back, there was a picture of a man. And I know what a man looks like. So I thought, I'll put, if I can put the man together, then the world will come back together. And the father began to cry and he said, you just gave me my speech. <laughs> if we can put man back together, we can put the world back together. Church, what kind of people ought we to be? What we to be? And if there's the promise, God touched me, changed me. See, the bride has made herself ready. Well, we're just waiting for revival. But we can personally have revival today. And we can get revived. We can get renewed. And we get revived and revived until there's revived all. Okay. Okay. If my people will humble themselves and pray. Just one more scripture and then we're going to close. It's in um, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. And it says this. Peter, who wrote, what kind of people ought we to be? Said this in his first letter. He says, I'm going to read it first of all in um, the NIV. He says, young men, in the same ways, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourself with humility. Everyone say humility. humility. Towards one another. Because you know that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety for him, on him, because he cares about you. In another more accurate transla- translation, that was the NIV, it says, wrap yourself in an apron and this morning I was thinking about this and I went to our closet and I found this sorry Judah but Judah worked for a very short period of time for Wendy's and I found this uh, I'm sure you should have given this back son but anyway uh, this is a, a Wendy's apron I'm going to put this on this is my Wendy's apron okay why is it that Paul so Peter is, first of all, addressing those in authority. And he says, for those of you who are in authority, I want you to put on an apron. And those who are under authority, I want you to put on an apron. When you put on an apron, anyone have been to a restaurant? When you see someone in with an apron on, does it not tell you something about what they are there to do? It tells you that person is there to serve me. That person, there's a level of humility that they've come into in their well-being. Yeah, sure, it's their job and they're getting paid, but they've made a decision that I want to be a server. I want to serve you. And my job is to make you feel welcome, served, cared for, honored. I want to create an environment where if this, is, this is pleasant and this is nice and I want to eat here. I actually personally don't appreciate it when somebody who is a server, especially if you're going to spend a lot of money, and they've just got a bad attitude. I'm like, wow, does your boss know that you have this attitude? Of course, I don't say that. But 
I think, gosh, you are representing this establishment. You are representing the owner. And by that apron that you're wearing, I was under the assumption you were here to serve. And Jesus is saying, I want you, sorry, Peter is saying, I want you to put on an apron. I want you to serve one another. I want those of you who are in authority to put on an apron. I want those of you who are under authority to put on an apron. Because that's why you're here, to represent the owner, which is God himself in this world, to put on an apron, church, and say, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to lay down my life for you. And Watch this, church. That's humility. If my people will humble themselves and pray. So one of the things you can hear today was humility. Put on an apron. Put on an apron. Put on something and say, I'm here to serve you. When people see you, do they think, oh, that's clearly you're the one in charge. Or, no, that person is here to serve me. That person is to create an atmosphere atmosphere here for me. Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king. His job was to lift up the king. He was a server. He was there to create an atmosphere. And actually, the fact that he was crying because his face was so downcast and he was in such anguish because the walls of Jerusalem had been, had been knocked down and the gates had been burnt, he should have been put to death by the king for, have, for being a server at that level and having a surly face. But it didn't happen. He said, what's going on? Why are you like this? And he said, my Lord, because the gates have been burnt in my city and the walls lie in ruins. And he allowed allowed him to go. See, even in worship church, I just want to say that, we come to lift up the king, not just to be lifted up. And sometimes we're like, oh, I've just had a hard week. I just need a touch from God. The, The key is lift him up. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And as we come in momentum, I'm here to worship the king. I'm here just because I'm in so much need. I understand that. You'll get your knees met because God is a loving father. Okay, nearly done, nearly done, nearly done. So wrap yourself in an apron. Jesus, John 13, verse 4. He took... He took off his robe and he wrapped himself with an apron. Jesus, with the disciples, took off his robe and he got an apron and he knelt down and he washed the disciples' feet with an apron. It says he, he, he wrapped it, he took his robe off, he knelt down, put, he wrapped an apron, a cloth around him and he washed their feet. And Peter said, no, my Lord, you will never wash my feet. He says, if you don't let me, you have no part in this ministry. He said, then wash my head too. (laughs) Saturate me, Lord. But what Jesus was doing is he's saying, I want to show you that I am the son of man. And I came to serve, not to be served. David was king. He took off his outer, his kingly robes. And he danced in his apron. He danced in his servant's attire. And he danced before the Lord. And his wife, Michael, looked out the window and she went, what on earth are you doing? You will never recover from this. You are a king. Put your robe back on. What are you doing wearing an apron? You're the king. People will never respect you if you don't walk around and let people know who's boss, that you're the king. You're David for crying out loud. Put your clothes back on. You know what he said? He said, you know what? I will become even more undignified than this. I will dance before my king. Yeah. And you know the Bible says God closed her womb. 
too, too much? No. Old Testament, we're in the new better covenant. Okay, but there's something about that we can learn about labor today. There's something, if, I, I don't want to say, well, we just need to be humble. Well, what does that mean? It means we need to put on an apron. Yeah. So when you walk, when people see us, they're like, oh, you have an apron on. Uh, could, would you be able to help me? Absolutely. <laughs> what can I do for you? I'm glad you're here on planet Earth because I'm here to represent the creator of planet Earth. And I'm one of his kids, and he's really awesome, and he's really good, and he came to set captives free. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to something. It's so important, church, that we don't, as, as people that love the Holy Spirit, don't come to the meeting just to get a touch from the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to. He's anointed me to something. To what? To set captives free. So where's the captives? All over the place. And that's why we're here. To serve. But how will they know if we don't have an apron on? I'm here to serve you. I'm here to lay down my life for you. What can we do? Well, we're the church. Oh, no, 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 no. That's what Jesus called them, a brood of vipers. You religious keepers of the law. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You care more about your traditions taught by man than you do me. That's what Jesus says. Read it in Mark chapter 7. He was mad. He says, I'm not having this. You are misrepresenting my father. And I am his son and I'm the exact representation of the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I want you to know that this is how I roll. I take off this out of these robes and I put on an apron. So you know that I, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve. Yeah. And so will you humble yourself? God's saying, will you humble yourself? Will you humble yourself? Will you put on an apron? Will you kneel down? Will you, kneel down? Will you give your life to someone? Will you go to the hospital? Will you pray for someone? Will you help someone? Will you, will, will, will you meet someone's need? Will you allow the Spirit of the living God to flow through your hands? In healing, will you allow the Spirit of God to flow through through you to, to bring wisdom and counsel to, to set captives free, to, to bind up the brokenhearted? I'm almost done. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Many of you remember, I'm going to close with this story, the, the story of Alexander the Great. Anyone remember Alexander the Great? Conquered so much. And the, the story, I'll just tell it very quickly. Somebody... In one of his armies, pretended to be dead. <laughs> in the battle, lay down flat, no one will know, I'll stay play dead until the battle's over, and then it'll all be good. But he got caught, he got found out. And they pulled this soldier and they had said, Stand up, and they took him to Alexander the Great. And they said, Alexander the Great, this soldier was pretending to be dead. And Alexander the Great looked at the soldier in the eye and he said, Son, what's your name? The young soldier said, sir, my name is Alexander. Alexander the Great said, your name is Alexander? He said, my name is Alexander. He said, your name is Alexander? He said, my name is Alexander. So he said, yes. And his face burned. And he said, soldier, change your conduct or change your name. That may be a little heavy for a Sunday morning. But church, I think there's something that in this whole thing that we realize those who are called by my name, that means we are carriers of his name. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's those people, my people, his people, God's people, his sons and his daughters, who carry his name, will humble themselves, will put on an apron and pray. I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. Amen.